Hey guys, did you hear about Keto Fest last year? My friends Carl and Richard from the Two Keto Dudes podcast held a ketogenic food and science festival in the coastal New England town of New London, Connecticut, and 300 ketonians came and had a great time. Well, this year, it's the weekend of July the 21st, 2018, and they're planning double the fun. A bigger pig roast, wine and cheese tasting, cheese making classes, fitness lessons, keto cooking demos and tastings, walking tours, Segway tours, twice as many speakers, including yours truly, a day of fasting activities on Fasting Friday, and an epic house party to kick it all off. Get your tickets now at KetoFest.com to help support the Kickstarter that ends on March the 31st. If they don't pre-sell enough tickets, it just ain't gonna happen. So reserve your tickets now at ketofest.com. Coming up in episode 1371, an LLVLC classic with Dr. Kate Rayon Blue. Connecting and educating and making the world a more informed and healthier place. You're listening to the Live in La Vida Low Carb Show with Jimmy Moore. You've helped change so many lives and give us all the courage to take on the rest of the world. This is the longest running health podcast on the air today. You've done so much to spread the word about how diet matters. Over 1,000 episodes Strong and counting. The amount of lives that you've changed at this point is incalculable. And now, here's our host and international best-selling author. You're like the LL Cool J of podcasting. Jimmy Moore. Hey guys, Jimmy Moore here. Just wanted to let you know we're going to be airing over the next month some LLVLC classic episodes. I am currently in the midst of writing a book with my wife, Christine, and we're on book deadline. So I need a little bit of a break from doing interviews, but we have so many great interviews from our archives here at the Live in La Vida Low Carb Show. And I think you're going to like the one you have to hear today. So enjoy. Welcome back to the Living La Vida Low Carb Show with Jimmy Moore. Today, I'm so pleased to welcome to the podcast a naturopathic physician. I love having these guys on my show. This one uh, is named Dr. Kate Rayon Blue. We're going to call her Dr. Kate throughout the show today. She is a writer and educator as well as practitioner. She's a former faculty member at the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine, is an expert in the field of natural health, speaks internationally on wide ranges of topics uh, around natural medicine. She's the author of a book we're going to talk about here today called Vitamin K2 and the Calcium Paradox, How a Little-Known Vitamin Could Save Your Life. Are you taking vitamin K2? You might after this show. Dr. Kate, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jimmy. Well, thanks for being here. And and your website, drknd.com. That's doctor, all spelled out, D-O-C-T-O-R-K-A-T-E, nd.com if people want to learn more about you. But why don't you tell us right now a little bit more of who you are and uh, how you got interested in health enough to want to be a naturopathic physician? Well, oh, that, that goes back a little bit. I uh, am based just outside of Toronto, Ontario, where I practice as an ND here. I'm a licensed primary care physician. And so, you know, order and interpret blood tests, uh, do physical exams, make diagnoses, all those kinds of things. But of course, as a naturopathic doctor, uh, we'll treat using dietary therapies and nutritional supplements. And, you know, I got started down this road because I have an older sister who's a medical doctor. and I thought I wanted to follow in her footsteps. And the more time I spent, you know, in the hospital as a keen pre-med student, the more I realized that, 
it wasn't working for me and I needed to go a different route. And so I pursued my interest in natural medicine. And uh, after I graduated and, and finished my residency and spent some time practicing, I started to uncover or, or, or sort of come across the very early research on this nutrient, vitamin K2. And it just seemed to have so many important health benefits. I couldn't re- believe that people weren't talking about it. Right. And, you know, then the studies started coming out talking about calcium and the downside of calcium supplements and calcium causing more heart attacks and strokes. And that was a really important story that also, in a way, wasn't getting the coverage it deserved because the implications were so confusing. Right. And I realized these two things sort of went hand in hand. In other words, vitamin K2, putting calcium where it belongs and, and the focus not being so much on being scared of calcium, but in getting it in the right places in the body and that and, and you know so much more that sort of uh, hooked me on this topic. Sure. And I'm so glad that you wrote about it in your book, Vitamin K2 and the Calcium Paradox, because quite frankly, beyond you and maybe like Chris Kresser, I haven't heard really anybody in this community talking about how critical vitamin K2 is. We've heard about vitamin D coming out the yin-yang from everybody, and even calcium has kind of gotten this health halo, and yet there are real risks involved if you're not getting the K2. Definitely. I mean, I hear from people fairly regularly saying that uh, they were on the high dose vitamin D bandwagon and then ended up with a lot of serious problems, major calcifications, which is the side effect of high dose vitamin D because their vitamin D wasn't balanced with the other nutrients that the body needs to use it effectively and safely. So that, you know, that's really important. And, and you're right, the concerns around calcium uh, are, are so big, but again, being ignored because unless there's a good solution to what to do about that, people um, are, have a tendency to, to want to sort of push it under the rug. But vitamin K2 provides really the missing piece to the puzzle to, you know, those health concerns, health concerns around calcium and vitamin D and so many other things. And I don't know why more people aren't talking about it because it sure isn't for lack of research. There's lots of studies uh, so far on this. Yeah. So for the benefit of my listeners, can you just tell us what the purpose of vitamin K2 is in the body? Sure. It does uh, two main things. The the one main thing is moving calcium around. So vitamin K2 will guide calcium into the places where you want it to be, so into your bones and teeth. And just as importantly, or arguably more importantly, it will not only prevent the deposition, but even remove calcium from areas where you don't want it to be. So it can remove calcium deposits in arteries, things like heel spurs and kidney stones and inappropriate calcifications in all areas of the body. So that's the the one big function it has, this calcium moving and regulating uh, benefit. And then the other thing it does is it controls uh, cell growth. And so that makes it very important for cancer prevention and cancer protection. Yeah. So, Dr. Kate, if somebody had like a heart scan done to get their calcium score uh, and it was, you know, moderate to high, they could take K2 and it would help lower that? Yes. So studies have been done showing Uh, you know, population-based studies, but as well as um, intervention studies. First, looking at uh, animal models showing a reduction of 50%, up to 50% of the presence of calcium plaque in the arteries in a relatively short period of time, you know, uh, six weeks to three months in the animal studies. So the 
human clinical trials are still ongoing to see how long and what kind of benefit you'd get depending on how much calcium you had to start with. We know we've seen um, good clinical trials published recently about bone density, and we're still waiting for the ones on uh, artery clearing in humans. So what dosage are they looking at preliminarily for lowering this calcified plaque in your arteries? Well, not very much. And that's good news, too. You don't need a whole lot of vitamin K2. This speaks a little bit to the type of K2 you're using, and we can probably get into that later on. But uh, something around 180 to 200 micrograms even is being used in most of the clinical trials. I've been recommending a slightly higher dosage than that based on... Uh, the increasing levels that we see in, in being used in clinical trials, as well as, you know, my clinical experience and the feedback I've ha- been having uh, people give me. But uh, that's, you know, not very much for big benefits in the body. So is there any toxicity to getting higher levels of K2? No, there isn't. That is one of the beautiful things about vitamin K2. Unlike other fat-soluble vitamins, it actually has no toxicity associated with it at any level, and that is well established in in the research. And so even if you're not sure, you know, what your calcium levels are in your arteries or um, regardless of really what your health concern is, you can benefit from from taking this and not have to worry about uh, side effects. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier that this is really a topic you don't hear a lot of people talking about. Like I said, you and Chris Kresser are about the only ones I've really seen writing about this and putting it out there for people to be, um, I guess, educated about. Why is that? Do you have a theory as to why K2 is kind of the forgotten stepchild, I suppose, (laughs) of of the vitamin uh, supplements that people could be adding to their diet? Well, certainly vitamin K2 was overlooked for a very long period of time due to a case of mistaken identity. It has a sort of a a partner or a sister or brother vitamin called K1. People are more familiar with that. It comes from vitamin K1 comes from green leafy vegetable and its only role in the body is in blood clotting and it's extremely rare to be deficient in this. So vitamin K1 and K2 were discovered at the same time and at the same, you know, at the time back in the 30s, Uh, The scientists said, ah, K1, K2, they're both blood clotting vitamins, that's it. And so K2 was essentially ignored for decades, almost 70 years, until people finally realized not that long ago, only about a decade or so, that in fact K2 uh, does not play a role in blood clotting. Its its roles are completely different in the body, has completely different food sources. You don't get it from green leafy vegetables. And in fact, you can be deficient in vitamin K2 without having symptoms that are obvious in the short term because, you know, you can't tell, for example, if your bone density is declining or plaque is building up in your arteries, you're developing cancerous cells in your body. You don't see those symptoms right away. So it is a deficiency that can exist and you're not immediately aware of it. So that's probably some of the reasons why uh, you know, it hasn't received as much attention or very much attention until now. But I think that pretty soon, especially with all the concerns around calcium yeah. and calcium supplements, that it's going to start becoming a lot uh, you know, better known. And also, you know, thanks in part to you. Like, I'm really grateful for you to you know, help spread the word about vitamin K2 and increase awareness of this nutrient because so many people are taking vitamin D, which is so important. But without K2, uh, you may be missing out on the benefits of your D or risking serious side effects. Yeah, I got to tell you, I did start adding in vitamin K2 after reading some of what Chris Kresser was writing about on his website. And then, of course, reading your book, um, it really uh, you know, deeply impressed upon me that that's a nutrient because I am one of those high doser 
vitamin D years, if I don't take 10,000 IU daily, I have horrible, horrible blood levels of vitamin D. Mm-hmm. And so uh, adding the K2, it, it, it'll be interesting to kind of see if I'll be able to back off on that amount of dosage um, in the long term. But um, definitely you're providing a great service. Now, speaking of K2 in the diet, a lot of people listening, they, they're like, well, I'm not really into supplements, but I'll be happy to take something uh, in my food. You said K1 is primarily from the green leafy vegetables. Where is K2? Well, K2 has become more difficult to get in our diets. It's a nutrient that used to be abundant in our diets, uh, you know, probably around 100 years ago, because one of the main sources that it comes from, first of all, is grass-fed foods. So this is a fat-soluble vitamin. It's found in the fat of animal products. When animals are out on the pasture, so when cows, chickens, and pigs are eating grass, then things like egg yolks and butter and dairy products are much, much higher in vitamin K2. So when we took animals off the pasture and confined them to grain feeding, we uh, almost eliminated vitamin K2 from our diets in the process. So that is one important source is to try to get grass-fed foods as much as possible. Of course, that really can be a challenge for people nowadays. And especially, you know, there's always in the wintertime, even if you live in an area where you can get these foods, it's a challenge. So there are a couple of other food sources. One main one is certain types of fermented foods, not all fermented foods, but some fermented foods, the bacteria that makes, uh, does the fermentation makes vitamin K2. So I've got a list of the vitamin K2 content of, of foods in my book. One of the top ones are Gouda and Brie cheese. And those foods are very high in vitamin K2, which is really good news. I think um, if you if you aren't looking for a heart healthy snack, then probably some brie and a glass of red wine is uh, is a great choice to go with. Uh, another food that is also fermented, not quite as popular, but it's extremely high in vitamin K2 that I do write about is something called natto, N-A-T-T-O, and that's a Japanese fermented soybean food that is probably the highest food and vitamin K2 that we know of, although it's definitely an acquired taste. It's not something that everybody is going to learn to love, but it's worth trying. Got to tell you, I tried brie one time. That was the most disgusting thing I've ever eaten in my life. Oh, oh, okay. Millions of of Frenchmen would disagree, but uh, (laughs) if you don't like brie, Gouda, there's an option there. If you don't like brie, I I doubt you're going to like natto, so you are probably a good candidate for supplements, Jimmy. Yes, and that's why I do supplements. (laughs) Do you miss the taste of homemade cookies and perhaps granola that you grew up on? Well, allow me to introduce you to Grapow. Go to JimmyLovesGrapow.com and you'll find out about this sweet and salty cookie granola. It's got really delicious cookie chunks all in it, you guys, with lots of bold flavors. I love eating Grapow like cereal with unsweetened almond milk or coconut milk. And you can even use it as dessert with that keto ice cream from my cookbook. Grapow! doesn't have any GMOs, doesn't have soy or grains or sugar or any of the other stuff that we don't eat on a ketogenic diet. And best of all, I love that it is full of 85% healthy fats. Go to JimmyLovesGrapow.com, that's G-R-A-P-O-W, enter the coupon code Jimmy at checkout and get 15% off of your order. You're going to want to get this, you guys. It's Grapow. Are you frustrated with the breath ketone devices that are on the market today? 
Well, let me introduce you to the brand new Level Meter. It is a simple, comfortable meter that allows you unlimited measurements for up to two users. It coincides with an Android or an iOS app to both track and trend your breath ketone data. You get detailed results displayed in the app within 15 seconds, and the monthly sensor change and calibration ensure clinical accuracy on the device. The Level Meter also gives you a 24-hour snap of your wellness choices, and it's great to note that even if someone is not on a ketogenic diet, elevated fat metabolism will register on the level. Anything over 2 ppm is considered elevated fat metabolism. Now, I've been using this for a little while, and I think you're going to love it too. Go to levelnow.com, that's L-E-V-L-N-O-W.com, to get your level today. Now you know. Well, let's move on to the supplements because um, not all vitamin K2 supplements are alike. Can you tell us how people can be discerning about, uh, you know, which vitamin K2 supplement to take and does everybody need to take it? Um, well, I'll answer that question first. I would say yes, because vitamin K2 ultimately, you know, as I said, it's become difficult to get in our diets. Uh, studies have shown that deficiency is quite common, very common, and it has health benefits throughout our life. For women who are pregnant, very, very important for the development of the fetus and the the face and the teeth, the facial bones. Uh, Right away, um, you know, in infancy, vitamin K2 is is passed on during breastfeeding, but for even very young children, I started giving it to my son when he was two years old, throughout childhood and adolescence, and and really throughout life, it has a, a really important health benefit. So yes, I do think everybody should be taking it or focusing on getting it in through their diets. When we're looking at supplements, you're right, there are two different types of vitamin K2 supplements you'll find on the market. They do both work, but there's a big difference in the dosage. You have to take them at different doses depending on what form you're taking. Okay. So the, the one I, I typically recommend is called MK7 or menaquinone 7. This is uh, a form of vitamin K2 that you would get from the fermented foods like natto or cheese or those kinds of things. It would have this type of vitamin K2 in them. And it has some advantages in that you can just take it once a day and uh, it stays in your, your bloodstream for approximately 24 hours, which is pretty convenient. And a lot of the most current studies are using this form of vitamin K2. So when I said you only need 200 micrograms, that's in this MK7 form. Right. So then there's another form of vitamin K2 called MK4. This is a synthetic form of vitamin K2. And a lot of the earlier studies, especially the cancer studies, were done using this form. It's not to say the MK7 wouldn't be good for cancer as well. It just so happens that early studies use the MK4 synthetic form because that's what was available. And uh, so lots of good research on this. uh, But most of the studies used about 45 milligrams. That's 45,000 micrograms. So a much, much higher dose. So you just have to make sure that whatever supplement you're buying, that you're getting an appropriate dose. And usually the, the MK4 products do come in one or five milligram or higher capsules. Yeah, that's where paying attention to to the dosage would be very key because yes. that is a wide disparity between the dosage of, of those two. So uh, good good information. Now, um, I was reading in your book uh, that vitamin K2 was kind of a little-known super nutrient that our hunter-gatherer ancestors once thrived on. Why was it so prevalent in our, I guess, paleo times 
um, for, for those people, and it's not in modern-day society? Well, for a few reasons. One is because, of course, our uh, caveman ancestors were eating all grass-fed foods all the time. Yeah. So all of the foods they were eating were wild, and and the fat, and especially the organ meats of these animals be very high in K2. And that's another thing, is that our caveman ancestors and, and, and Paleolithic ancestors were probably eating a lot more organ meats than we are. And so you'll find this, you know, one of the foods that makes it really high in the list of vitamin K2 is goose liver. That's a food that people just don't eat nowadays, but uh, liver of different types of animals has much more K2 than say the muscle meat. So that's, uh, those are two big factors why you know, our diet used to be much higher in this nutrient than it is now. And then also certain unusual foods that, um, you know, paleolithic people would have eaten that we don't that are high in K2, like insects and fish eggs, right. things like that. Woolly mammoth pancreas. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> yeah. So uh, the, the vitamin K2 uh, properties um, I was reading throughout your book, I mean, there's all kinds of anti-aging uh, benefits from uh, wrinkles and Alzheimer's and heart disease and osteoporosis. I mean, is this the grand cure-all? Is this kind of the future, you think, of, uh, I, I guess, the, the industry? Because vitamin D has been the darling over the past few years. But are you going to see maybe more and more talk about vitamin K2? Well, well of course, you're going to say yes. But <laughs> in the coming years, I mean, is this kind of the trend going forward? Uh, I definitely think so, because it provides the missing piece to the puzzle to so many health concerns. You know, reading when you when you pull all the information together and a lot of people who've read my book have said, oh, I just it was such an aha moment. Like it just made so much sense that, of course, the body has a way of dealing with calcium to say that we can reverse arterial calcification sounds uh crazy or sounds outrageous, but of course the body has always had a way to do this if you provide it with the right nutrients, because it's always had to deal with calcium. And, you know, looking at these other health benefits, they are all connected. So the anti-wrinkle benefit, for example, that's because calcium can accumulate microscopically on the elastic tissues in your skin and, and K2 helps fight that. Or, um, even same thing, you know, in the brain, uh, there's a number of other health benefits in terms of diabetes, fertility, very important. And, and so it, it really does make sense um, to have this nutrient acting in the way it does. Yeah. Now, we haven't touched on calcium a whole lot other than the, the heart concerns. Are there any other concerns about calcium being harmful in the body besides in the arterial uh, I guess the you know blocking your arteries and and providing calcified plaque. Are there other issues that are involved in this whole calcium paradox, as you call it? Oh, definitely. I mean, calcium can accumulate in all kinds of places in the body. Uh, heel spurs is a simple one. Kidney stones is another very common one. Um, all kinds of um, funky calcifications. Oh, in the carotids and, and other blood vessels. Uh, you know, one area that it, it accumulates on as well is heart valve, the aortic valve. It's a very common cause, calcifications area of open heart surgery. And uh, I've recently had somebody contact me, say, after having read my book, they started taking K2. They're daily chest pains and angina stop. They wow. had on the list for aortic valve replacement and their cardiologists have since told them they don't need to have that surgery. Cool. So this, that's a big deal. And, and yeah, calcium can get into all kinds of places in the body that it shouldn't. And K2 is helpful for taking it out of, of any area because it all works by the same calcium removing system. Yeah. Now, calcium is not something that a lot of people necessarily need to supplement because you can get lots of great calcium 
from those uh, those great cheeses you were men- mentioning earlier. But what about my paleo comrades who don't eat dairy? Is there a way for them to get calcium without having to supplement? Uh, well, bone broths is probably the best way for the, the paleolithic uh, people to get their calcium. And that certainly is in keeping with their diet yep. and is, you know, traditional practice of, of boiling up the bones. Uh, I think that's a great calcium supplement and and making a nice tasty bone broth and using that in your cooking or as the basis for soups. And in general, I don't worry too much about calcium intake. You can see areas where people, for example, Japan, uh, they have very strong bones and healthy hearts, and yet their calcium intake would be considered to be quite low, like 500 milligrams a day from all sources. So I, I generally don't worry too much about calcium intake. The most important thing is to make sure the calcium you are getting is going to the right places. And of course, that's where the K2 comes in. So the K2 just basically makes the calcium more efficient. Yeah, so uh, once we absorb calcium, so we know vitamin D, for example, helps us absorb calcium, but once we've absorbed the calcium, vitamin D has no control over where it goes. So that's when K2 takes over and uh, uses special proteins to basically pick the calcium up and put it into the places where we want it. And then it uses other proteins to go and scavenge and scour and clean out the calcium from areas where we don't want to have it. Yeah. So, Dr. Kate, your book's been out there about a year and a half or so. Uh, What's been the response? Has there been any, like, memorable stories of people who read your book and said, oh, my gosh, you changed my life? There have been a lot, actually. And, um, you know, the one that I just told you about that was just a couple weeks ago is the most fresh in my mind as somebody who's been able to so far avoid their aortic valve replacement. I've had somebody else who said that uh, a couple, several people who've who've told me that it's been – quite miraculous for their blood pressure. And this is still something I don't understand, but I'm seeing benefits for blood pressure in people who weren't able to control it before and uh, all kinds of, Oh, you know, mouth health, people who are able to avoid their gum surgeries and and save their teeth because it really is important for the health of the mouth and dental health. Um, Yeah. There's, there's been a lot of, of fantastic feedback and I think we're just seeing the tip of the iceberg of the kind of benefits it can have. So when you wrote the book, who was your uh, primary target audience? Who who was this book designed specifically for? I guess I sort of had my mom in mind, who is somebody who you know listens to the health advice uh, that's 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 out there and sort of was taken in for so long, for example, by the low fat fads and mm. the avoid cholesterol fads, and yet we really know that that is not significant and, and, and doesn't affect your health. And in fact, by avoiding fat, you could be avoiding important fat-soluble vitamins. And then, so here she is after trying to follow all this advice, finding herself to be overweight, and she's got low bone density and high blood pressure and high cholesterol. And so, uh, you know, helping to, to sort of put vitamin K2 back as you know, a piece of a bigger picture of the nutrients that we used to have in our diets and getting back to the old-fashioned ways of producing our foods and eating. Yeah. Well, you're certainly doing a great job, and we're just so happy that uh, people like you are out there. Again, her name, Dr. Kate Rayon Blue. We call her Dr. Kate. Visit her website, drkatend.com. That's D-O-C-T-O-R. K-A-T-E-N-D.com and be sure to pick up your own copy of Vitamin K2 and the Calcium Paradox, How a Little-Known Vitamin Could Save Your Life. Dr. Kate, thanks so much for joining us here today on the Living La Vida Low Carb Show. Thank you so much, Jimmy, for spreading the word about Vitamin K2. Coming up next time on the Living La Vida Low Carb Show... 
We'll have another LLVLC classic episode featuring Bill Lagacos. Get show notes for today's episode at theliveinlowcarbshow.com. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review at iTunes. Thanks for listening to the Live in La Vida Low Carb Show. We'll see you next time. Disc of Light.